We're going to go around the college football landscape with the good friend Bruce Feldman. Also, what the hell is going on in Nebraska? Why is Frost out and who is next? Some of the coaching stuff just in general. So we cover a ton of topics on that one. A little Thursday Night Football recap and what it means for a really talented Chargers team to lose at Kansas City and life advice, including a follow-up to Sauna Guy. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter-player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm watching Thursday Night Football. Congratulations to Amazon on the broadcast thought it looked really good and that's going to be part of the new normal and as i watch these games and i think about the next day's podcast depending on how the schedule breaks out if it's one of those games I have to show the next day that is the case obviously monday wednesday friday through football season i'll go okay is there an angle here is there an open right there's some simple ones right layup ones we try not to do those here on this podcast what will this mean what will it mean if Herbert wins at Kansas City against the great Patrick Mahomes? Passing of the torch open? Could I do that? Could I sell you 10 minutes on the passing of the torch? Well, you know me. If you listen to this podcast, you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think you really believe that. And that's why. If I don't believe it, I'm not going to talk to you guys about it. So I kept thinking, all right, what's the angle? What's the angle? And I have a couple other opens that I've got on the back burner that I've been thinking about a little bit. So I was like, I got something else I can shift out. But you know what? At 10-7, I go, this is the Chargers game. They've been the better football team and they're the most, well, the more talented football team. We've talked about this a little bit when I was talking about some of the top 100 stuff of NFL.com and it was kind of in relation to, and by the way, there's a lot of Dolphins fans that caught that Tua video where I say, I think I'm worried he's going to be a backup and he's a backup. A lot of you guys actually think I think the Pats are good. That's an interesting theory on there. I think this Pats roster, if you're a Pats fan and you see the Chargers, let's run through this real quick, all right? Because I think the Chargers have nine players in the top 100. Um, and they went nine and eight last year, but they've added some pieces too. All right. So they've got Herbert, who's easily a top 10 quarterback. Uh, I think you saw it again last night. His first two years in the league, this guy's been incredible. Although he did get banged up pretty good last night. A theory, a thought here, a question. You know how we talk about wide receivers with catch radius? Is there perhaps a problem for quarterbacks who have long torsos where you could say they have a, they have a large hit radius? 
I don't know if that'll be in the evaluation of quarterbacks. Just something I was thinking about last night is it looked like he was grabbing his ribs the entire time. And he had that third one where he could have easily run for it and converted it. And he just pulled up and threw the ball because he didn't want to. And he was still hurt. Uh, then he threw a touchdown, a fourth and one, and it was an absolute dime. So this was a fun game. The Chiefs win it. But at 10-7, I'm going the Chargers, are the better football team. I'll run through the talent thing that I get a little delayed on. We've talked about Herbert. Uh, Eckler, he's in the 40s, by the way, on the NFL 100. He's at 46. I know the the pass catching part of his game complements his his rushing. He's never been over a thousand yards. He had twelve rushing touchdowns last year, but prior to that, not as much. I think his fantasy prop, I think that props him up a bit. I think he's like considered the number five overall pick against all drafts. He averages out to be the fifth pick. So then people start. To, I just have a hard time believing that there's only forty five players better in the NFL than Austin Eckler. Nice player. Uh, when I watch him run, I don't feel like this game-changing, super dynamic running back. I could be wrong about that. I've watched him a lot. I, I understand the passing part of it. He does add a lot of... But I think the fantasy, sometimes every now and then, these there'll be a guy who's really good fantasy-wise, and then you watch, you'll be like, why is he talked about in that neighborhood? Anyway, he's, he's in the 40s of the top 100. Keenan Allen is a top 20 wide receiver. My man, Mike Williams. I swear, every year, I'm like, why do I like this guy so much? Last night, he reminded me uh, I always like him. Then sometimes I question it. I know the health thing isn't always great. But by the way, the stat last night, shout out to the Amazon broadcast on this one, helping out all us Mike Williams stands. Since 2017, Mike Williams has the most tight window yards in the NFL. Didn't even know tight window yards NFL was something that was going to be tracked, but it's been tracked and he leads everyone in the league since 2017. We already mentioned Keenan Allen. I like Everett, their tight end. I think he's a real playmaker. Uh, Slater at Left tackles, already insanely good. Lindsley at center might be the best center in the league. You've got Bosa. You've got Mack. Van Noy's terrific in coverage. They brought him over. I've always liked Kenneth Murray, but then I'm like, wait, is it only because I liked him at Oklahoma? So maybe we'll we'll put him on the TBD list. J.C. Jackson, the corner, Asani Samuel Jr., and the best safety probably in the league in Derwin James. Pats fans are going, wait, how many of those guys do they have? How is that possible? They went nine and eight last year. Now, again, they've, they've added some of the pieces that I mentioned in there. By the way, what this means is if, if this team doesn't have a really good season, there's no way Brandon Stanley can come back. This team is too talented. That's why every year I fall for the Chargers because I see all this talent. Okay, all right. So we talked about that part. The Chargers are about to go up here 24-17. And then Herbert throws a pick six. It looks like a mix-up with Everett on positioning in the end zone on the catch. They were talking on the sideline. Pick six, run it back. Watson, seventh-round draft pick, rookie for Kansas City on this new young defense, by the way, uh, that has a bunch of rookies all over the place. That was the plan. They needed to change it over last year because we know how bad it was historically for Kansas City, especially in the first half of the season. And 50% of those defensive snaps from last year for the Chiefs are gone. Those guys are gone. So Watson runs it back. Which also leads to, what did you do when you were young before you realized your dreams for a job? I don't know about you, but most of us do jobs that aren't sweet when we're younger. And so apparently Watson was working at a restaurant or something. And we're like, man, from doing this to, to running back a pick six to totally flip the game and lead to a Chiefs win. Well, before you become a pro athlete and you're at college or something, you probably have a shitty job, you know? I don't know. I think Instagram has screwed everybody up here on this one. Most of us have really bad jobs at some point that if you then became famous later on, it's like, 
did you think I never had a landscape? You think I never had to dig trenches? Do you think I never had to clean up after a job site where there was, well, we've already covered the human feces in the appliance box dilemma that I ran into years ago out on a job site cleaning it up. I just always think this is kind of funny that we were like, man, I can't believe that guy ran so fast. That guy was flipping burgers. You're like, I don't know. What the fuck was he doing before he was in the NFL? Was everything always awesome? No, not the case. All right, so we've discussed Kansas City's roster overhaul. This game flips on that play. Um, but I don't know that there was ever any gonna, there was ever going to be some series of events where on a, on a Friday after that game, I would have thought like, oh, you know what? Chargers go down there. They win at Kansas City. There's a little passing of the torch. Things have really changed. Look at this talented team. They're the team in the AFC West, and I think there would have been a lot of that stuff. Uh, they got Kansas City to punt six times. That's a good defensive job against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they blitzed Mahomes a lot by their standards. Last year on dropbacks, the Chargers blitzed less than 25% of the time. Last night, they blitzed Mahomes uh, 36% of the time, and the numbers show that he lit up the blitz. But I think the blitz worked. It's just that Mahomes was unbelievably mobile, both in and out of the pocket, getting himself clear for throwing lanes that he has, arm angles that he has that I don't think really anybody else has. You know, two of the, the first two touchdowns that he had were incredible. So they blitzed. I think it worked. It moved him around. He just still ended up being the blitz where I didn't think it was a straight blitz beating where it's like, hey, we sent these guys and they called the perfect play. Like Mahomes made those plays against the blitz. But getting Kansas City again to punt six times, if you're LA's defense, that's kind of a win, even though you lost the game. So to finish this all out, when I'm looking at the Chargers, nine and eight last year, and I'm going, wait, when's their last big win? Because I started, you know, trying to, map all this out for what I wanted to do today. Like, when's their last big win? Give me a Chargers win where I'm like, wait, maybe I have to take that team seriously. Well, it actually happened a couple times last year. Week 13 at Cincinnati, they won 41-22. Very entertaining game. I remember talking about it on the podcast because I did have this kind of weird thing for Cincinnati. Um, but 9-8, and eight, again, it didn't mean anything. But what about going down? What would it have meant to go down to Kansas City win on Thursday night football? Like, What would it have meant for the Chargers to be able to do something like that with all this talent on all these guys and the expectations and people starting to believe and picking them to knock off Kansas City in the division? You're like, oh, wait, they did do that last year. Week three, <laughs> they beat Kansas City at their place 30-24. to 24. Herbert had four touchdowns. Mahomes had two picks. And they went nine and eight. And the Chiefs went to the AFC title game. They hosted it. So I don't know if that really meant anything. And that's the thing is if, if this game had gone the other way, there was no pick six. Herbert's the man. You know, we would, it would have felt different. Probably felt different a year ago. We just forget. It probably just wouldn't mean anything. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N. We will give out all of our picks just before life advice. So Rudy, Kyle, and myself uh, coming off an undefeated week here. So good luck with all those. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets. 
From the money lines and point spreads to player props and with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And when you win, you get paid fast. So sign up today with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued with non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP. Louisiana. one 877 Hope New York or text Hope New York to 467-369 New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. A couple weeks into the college football season, joining us, one of our favorite guests on college football, it's Bruce Feldman, Fox Sports, and of course, The Athletic. I know you're out in Lincoln, Nebraska. So let's actually just start there. What went wrong with Frost? How did we get to this point where he's out? You know what, uh, Ryan, I, from everything I've heard from people who work with Scott Frost here, uh, the thing they, one of the things they start with is just a really bad lack of organization. Um, he was also really impulsive. He'd jump in at critical times in games to call plays. And some of those plays, the Huskers hadn't actually repped much that week at practice. So it was a little bit of like, hey, what's going on here? The other thing, and, I, and you know, I'll be honest, I, I, like a lot of people, I thought this was going to go great because he was a fantastic uh, job he did at UCF. And then he was coming home. But one thing that, you know, you hear a lot from when you talk to, to people inside the program is that you know, he just leaned too much on a couple of his old buddies here at Nebraska. who just were giving him a lot of bad advice. And, you know, that ended up making him probably disconnected to a big part of his coaching staff. And it all just kind of kept backfiring. Right. And I think as the harder they tried, they, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot, a lot of margin for error to be begin with right you know they didn't have a ton of playmakers and they were losing a lot of close games you saw a team that just really just didn't look like they were able to to uh make anything happen it was almost like they couldn't get out of their own way whether it was special teams or just critical moments so this was not hey things just didn't bounce your way we all love you and we can't believe we have to do this but we have to do this because again the buyout part of it the language what it dropped to october although nobody likes a buyout like nebraska so you know, maybe they, I mean, this felt like as you're sharing with us and some of the stuff that I've read, that there was, there was more than just losing games. Cause you know, I, again, to interrupt myself, but I am always very interested in how the person who everybody wants is the person nobody wants, you know, 18 months later, you know, Tom Herman was the guy, every major program would have wanted him if they had, you know, LSU thought they had him, Texas gets him flame out. Willie Taggart, Florida State. He lasted two seasons. Although looking back, it's like, should he have been given the keys after seven and five at Oregon? Um, you know, Charlie Strong. I think, you know, even looking at like a Matt Campbell where 
you've talked about him being like he was this super, super hot name and the job that he's done at Iowa State is still terrific. But like ADs, I wonder if they make mistakes. The Frost one checks a million boxes, but you've talked to these people that have gone through this hiring thing. It's just not everybody gets to work out, but it's crazy how often the thing you want so badly doesn't work out. Yeah, I also think, Ryan, it's like it's like a fickle set of circumstances sometimes, not Luke fickle, obviously, but like where you get it where, I mean, look, you know, you and I know both know a lot about LSU. Things were great and they won a national title and then all of a sudden they weren't great and they were, they were, everybody was running from it within like a year. You know, it's just, it's just weird how, how college football works. It's a lot of circumstances that go into it. I think it's how people respond to pressure in different ways. I mean, you, you know, UCF, it was two, years it was a spectacular run he could have been anywhere after that he obviously was coming home it made a lot of sense and everything he said at the beginning made a lot of sense but then the more you'd hear about it it was like okay maybe some of the things that kind of came together well at ucf maybe there were some cracks in that or whatever you know it's just there's a that happens a lot where as you said tom herman's a really good example it was like also a guy with a pretty short um, you know, he wasn't at Houston very long, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was a hot assistant, did a really good job at a bunch of places, including leading, you know, Ohio State to the national title. And then when you talk to people in Texas, and we were just down there last week, it was like, who was this guy? They felt like he hadn't he had they didn't know what his identity was, they didn't feel like it was authentic, they didn't like how he treated people, you know, and, and the how you treat people thing is an interesting thing because you know, there's a lot of times you'll be like, you'll hear Oh, they need a players coach. Oh, they need a disciplinarian. It's like different times, different things work. You know, it's like you can be that guy who like keeps a safe distance or then all of a sudden you're the guy who's aloof. You know, it's just it's just weird how, you know, right now, you know, who's not hot? Jimbo Fisher. You know, I mean, uh, you know, not long ago they were they were paying him a fortune and glad to do it. And he had the hottest recruiting class in the country. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, eh. You know, the, the offense has passed him by and some of these recruits are looking to be signed or looking to get out of there. It's just it's just a very fickle dynamic, I think, with college coaching. Yeah, that's kind of like my Kirk Ferentz thing, where it's like every time you're starting to think it's going south, then I'll have that nice nine and three season, which is good enough. And then they give him another extension. Yeah, look, I mean, who's really hot right now? Jim Harbaugh about, you know, like this has had two different times where. You know, first, Jim Harbaugh, like, you know, he had to take a, a lower contract and people were getting tired of him. He couldn't beat Ohio State. And then all of a sudden, he shocks everybody and he ends up leading them to a Big Ten title in the playoff. And then he, you know, we're not that far removed from, oh, he's tr- he's desperately trying to get into the NFL. The Vikings don't end up hiring him. He comes back, has to shuffle up his coaching staff. And all of a sudden now, look what's going on. Michigan might be a hot team to keep an eye on all of a sudden. Like J.J. McCarthy's Heisman odds have like have dramatically jumped and people are buzzing about them, you know? So it's just it's just a weird thing. I mean, Harbaugh was a great coach at, at Stanford and certainly with the Niners. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, what's what's up with that guy? Well, that guy, there's there seems to be a method to the madness and sometimes we just don't know what it really is. That's why I'm not, like anti when a school, especially Michigan and Harbaugh, like which is my favorite example. Now, if you say, "Hey, he did not deliver on what you thought," everywhere he'd gone and won, it's a big deal. Like he wanted all that attention, he got all that attention at the beginning. He definitely cooled it on a lot of that stuff later on. The who's who's got it better than us videos and all that shit. But I still kept thinking, like, wait, Harbaugh's being talked about like they're going five and seven every year. Like they're not. Okay, they don't beat Ohio State. That's super important. Nobody. 
like look at the Michigan Ohio State rivalry. None of those guys are beating Ohio State. Ohio State's better. They're just a generally better program. And, you know, it'd be nice to to get one here or there like Auburn does against Bama when you're least expecting it. But, you know, Michigan finally gets one in a, in a down defensive year for Ohio State. So to the bigger point, like I had no problem with Nebraska being like, let's try this Frost thing again, because if you're OK with it, then then why, you know, why should I be mad about it? Um, and I think some schools clearly are OK extending people out like I'm with you on the Jimbo thing. Like, why did you need to add four more years to a deal of when he signed it for $75 million? Nobody could believe that he got that deal. Um, that That's another. I mean, look, I feel like we're just sort of talking here. I'm not really asking all these questions because I want to talk about A&M behind center here for a second. But I, the coaches have it so great right now because as soon as you're hot, you get a job maybe you don't deserve. And as soon as you win somewhere that's a little afraid you could go to one of the other tiered programs, then you get these massive extensions. The A&M Jimbo extension, like where else was he going to go? Why do they need to tack all that on? And what is it like 90 million guaranteed? If they have a shitty season, that's that's like that's going to be really weird. Not that he's going to go anywhere. No, but if I mean, the, finishing up that like they play Miami this weekend. This isn't a great Miami team. Mario Cristobal has. I think they're you know it's a toss-up game to me if somehow Anim loses that game at home you know they are staring at like a, a you know two wins out of the first half of the season you know because they got arkansas coming up they got mississippi state and they got they got alabama you know like they they're gonna really you're looking at going this team might not even get full eligible the way things are set if they lose this weekend now look they could they could beat miami easily miami's without their best receiver um but and it's not like Miami's loaded with playmakers to begin with, but just looking at it with Jimbo, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, they were throwing money at him left and right. And by the way, through 50 games, he has a worse record than Kevin Sumlin, who they couldn't get rid of fast enough. And they, who, they by the way, him. who, by the way, when Sumlin got it rolling in the beginning at A&M, like every first drive, seven points immediately spread it out. And then at half, you'd be like, wait, what happened this game? I thought A&M was totally control. Uh, there were other programs that were like, damn it. <laughs> How did we yeah, not bring you, in Sumlin? USC wanted him. You know, like Tennessee had passed on him. You know, there was there was some of that. And I think, you know, look, a lot of it was the things that the stars aligned. Johnny turned out to be a phenomenon, as you all know. He had Cliff as a play caller. There was, you know, Mike Evans turned out to be way better than anybody in the recruiting world expected him to be, right? So there was a lot of that. You know, in the case of Jimbo, you know, he, at one point he was this QB guru guy, you know, and he definitely has a bunch of guys who were first round quarterbacks. But other than Jameis, if you kind of go through the list, obviously we know, you know, how Jamarcus's career went. Ponder, um, you know, EJ Manuel, we all like him, but it wasn't like he had a great NFL run. Nice guy. It's now all of a sudden, the, yeah, great guy, you know, and, and apparently, you know, I'm sure Ponder and, and Jamarcus are too. But like you go down the road on this thing and it's like, they sh- they barely beat Colorado last year. You know how bad Colorado is? You know how bad Colorado is now? I mean, they barely beat Colorado. They lost, you know, now they the last three games A&M and Jimbo have played against FBS opponents. They've lost all three, and only one of them, Ole Miss, was ranked. They lost to LSU when they were falling apart at the end of last year, and they just lost to App State, who gave up like a 1,000 points the week before to North Carolina without their best player. That's a really tough week to week one. You know, we I always like to say every single game is different and they have their own identity. But for App State to give up sixty to North Carolina, who I think we like their offense, we really like their quarterback. 
And then Haynes King, who this was supposed to be his gig last year, uh, had he not been hurt, what in the Colorado game? And then Calzada comes in, who has that glorious night against Bama, but that's not who he is. And he ends up no, third string. <laughs> that Calzada performance against Alabama felt a lot like the Will Ferrell debate scene in old school. You know, kind of like, <laughs> well, what the hell was that? Like, nobody knew it was coming. It happened. He played great. You know, he's off the he transferred to Auburn. He's not, you know, he's not being seen. He was there behind at this point. he was behind the other Oregon backup and the yeah, other backup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that one, you know, that's a great one, the Will Farrell call. I have a much more I remember Brett Saberhagen, I think in ninety nine, pitched like six scoreless against the White Sox, and I was like, All right, you got another arm here for the playoffs. And it was like, No, no, you don't. Like it was just this it was this nut this night he was he was touched by the baseball gods. And that's what it was for Calzada. But this is a really good point. Like, there's some there's some sneaky stuff in there from AM's resume that I should have been more alerted to. But I felt like just talking to people, like, hey, Haynes was going to be the guy. You know, Calzada was was pretty much, you know, again, as a freshman, a disappointment. Haynes gets hurt. And then I started, I've watched both AM games, even the one with the delay. And I'm like, this guy's going to get crushed. And then I thought against App State, they were going to go to Max Johnson the LSU transfer, he put his helmet on, he was thrown on the sideline, and then A-Chain ran the kickback, and then I think, all right, you know, that's probably like a sideline thing, like, hey, we have this momentum, let's not change anything yet, because I'm not for yanking all the quarterbacks and the young kids back and forth all the time, but I just thought, you know, I've seen Max Johnson play some really good games, including against A&M last year, beating ranked Florida teams in back-to-back years when LSU felt like an absolute dumpster fire um, as far as the vibe of the team, even though they were really talented. So we'll see, because now Max, it was announced this morning, he's got the job. Yeah, I'm with you. And and again, the same thing is one in the swamp when he was a freshman. You know, he did a lot of good things. There was some good and bad. You know, you were you were you and I were together in the the Rose Bowl at the beginning of their season last year when he had some good moments and some not so good moments. Hangs on to the football really long, you know, sometimes and gets crushed. He got his ass kicked in that UCLA game. He did. But I think. I was surprised he wasn't the starter coming out of the gate this year. But look, you know, Jimbo is at practice. He knows way more than both of us about his quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He went in that direction. Um, I'm interested to see how this goes because, you know, they have Wegman, who we both saw at Elite 11, who's got a lot of, you know, physical talent. Um, you wonder, like, the, the thing I wonder about, again, you know, I do think they're going to beat Miami, but if they don't, and even if they do, though, with this kind of run they have where maybe they're three and three out of the gate, maybe they're going to end up two and four. Um, you know, we can talk a ton about their recruiting class, how great it was last year. Like, I think recruiting classes now than maybe just even five years ago are going to be a lot different because a lot of these kids, it's like they're still recruitable athletes once you've even after you sign them. Like, it's it's definitely way more poaching and tampering and stuff goes on. And I, you know, you hear rumblings about, oh, this kid's calling, you know, this kid's making it known that he's interested in going here. And it's not like they can turn around and transfer and play for somebody else next week. But I think that's kind of the volatility you have. It's different than if you're at Alabama or Georgia, where you had a program that has had sustained success with these blue chip players. If you're A&M, you know, yeah, they had a really good season in the COVID year 2020. Then they were really mediocre last year. And, uh, you know, I'm fascinated by them just because they had this all-time high-rated recruiting class. I'd be curious how many of these guys are going to still be Texas a Aggies, you know, in 2024. 
you know, and it's, it's going to be interesting because like it's been basically one, one really good year for Jimbo. And then a lot of other, well, you know, we're riding off the national title and, and a lot of talk. And then he had the dust up with Saban that, you know, blew up. And I'm sure that's going to be back in the news in a couple of weeks when they play in a big way. So, um, to me, they're the most intriguing team to watch this weekend on with not a really good slate of games. That's where I'm at. That's why I'm talking about it so much. And by the way, look, I thought Jimbo was right to go back at Nick for that, even though, you know, for the most part, I always like what his Saban has to say. Um, and the only part know, that in that that I was like, Jimbo, I think, could box himself in a spot was he basically was like daring people like, you want to go report this story? You know, like, and he's just like pointing at Nick, essentially. Well, you worked with him back in the LSU days. You probably know him better than any reporter. So if somebody comes to you, you're you're basically putting it out there, but you're not gonna. Um, are you gonna tell where the bodies are buried? You know that kind of thing. Like you kind of. I get why he defended his program, but he and himself and that. Yeah, he went so far. It was like, well, you're the one who's who's, you know, talking about what he's doing. You would know better than anybody. So what? So what? What exactly are you saying? You know, kind of thing. So. I don't know. He's a, he is a he obviously had a ton of success at Florida State. The jury is certainly still out, and they keep paying. And, and I I very fascinated to see what happens over the next couple of weeks in College Station. Yeah, because they got their asses handed to them last week. Like they fifty percent of their carries were zero or negative yards against App State. Like that was weird. It was it was it wasn't just you know usually when that game happens you're like what fluky stupid thing? Oh, they're minus four in turnovers. Uh, they fumbled. Nothing fluky punt. about it. Right? Wow. Nothing. <laughs> they just couldn't move You're the football. And those guys, they just they just bullied an SEC team in front of a hundred thousand of their fans. Uh, all right, let's let's move on because I've done too much on A and M here. What did you make of the BYU win? Because the, if we're talking, you know, interesting games here, you know, Oregon's a favorite at home by about a field goal here against a BYU team that wins in overtime against Baylor. Um, you know, give me give me a full circle of. What you think of BYU, what it means for Baylor after that one, and then, you know, if you have anything on Oregon that's still trying to figure out their own quarterback stuff despite a, a big win against a lesser opponent last week. Yeah, I think we need to pay we pay way more attention to what Kalani Satake is doing there. I mean, they're a really physical team. They have a good offensive system under Aaron Roderick, the OC, who had a big hand in when they had Zach Wilson. And, you know, he worked with Jeff Grimes on that, and then Grimes left to Baylor, and they are still causing problems for people. You know, uh, Christopher Brooks, who was known as Christopher Brown when he was at Cal, it's a really physical big running back who has speed. They have a bunch of talented offensive linemen. Um, you know, they were they beat Baylor without, you know, arguably their two best receivers, by the way, from two most talented receivers. So credit to them. They're going to be on the radar because they have a bunch of, pro, you know, I don't call them super high-profile games. You know, obviously Oregon's not as big a game as if they would have not gotten beat by 50 in the opener to Georgia. But it's still a game people are going to keep an eye on. And, um, you know, they get Notre Dame later in the year. Obviously, it's going to be a real dud of a Notre Dame team. But I think people are going to, they're going to, they're not like a, they're in this weird space where they're, a lot of people tend to think of them as a group of five kind of team because they're not in a power five conference right now. But they're playing Power Five teams and they're beating them, right? And they just beat a really good one. So, I, I you know, with Oregon, I think that it's like there's a challenge. There is, you know, you have a first-time head coach in Dan Lanning. You really have a first-time play caller on the offensive side in Kenny Dillingham. Like I know he had the offense coordinator title, but it's not like he's working for an offensive guy now. It's not, you know, he's not working with Mike Norvell or Jimbo or Gus. He is working with a defensive guy as a first-time head coach. 
So you have a lot of inexperienced people. I think what you saw just from talking to, you know, coaches who were around there was just the team trying to figure out its identity. They looked pretty undisciplined and they did not look prepared for Georgia. I'll be honest. I don't think Georgia is quite as good as what, 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 what you saw the first night. And my guess is Oregon's not quite that bad, but they are, you know, I think we got too caught up in Mario Cristobal's recruiting rankings for a while and what we thought of this team. You know, Bo Nix had some moments. I'm sure you remember he looked really good against LSU. Quite honestly, a bunch of people have, though, you know, in the last two years. And then it was good. You know, he went in there and he kind of looked like Bo Nix again, right? And they just don't look prepared. He's not the answer. I'm sorry. And, and by the way, Georgia no. looked... That was the most pissed off I've seen a team, I think, week one in a long time. Like, they were... They may not be as good as they looked that day. Like, it's an interesting point by you, but they're their attitude for three hours was incredibly impressive while you're stomping the other team too. And it was sustained attitude. That was, I think something a staff should be like super proud of. Yeah. They, they came out ready to play. Oregon did not look ready to play. And I think what you see is, you know, an inexperienced staff. I mean, you have some good coaches who have strong recruiting reps, but I think as they put it together, they don't have a ton of experience in the roles they're in, right? You have, like I said, Kenny Dillingham, first-time play caller. You have a first-time head coach in Dan Lanning. You have in Tosh Lupoy, a guy who has a little bit of coordinating experience under Nick Saban, but it wasn't you know a ton. And and you know it's Saban's there. And there's a lot of people on there who ha- who are going to have their hands in the pot. So I think you put all those factors together with a team you're still figuring out with a you know, I mean the one of the things I remember one of the guys on the staff told me so what's been the most impressive thing about about Bo Nix? and they were like well his leadership. And that's important. I'm not saying it's not, but you know, you're you're really what are you hanging your hat on right now? You know, well, you got Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, and you got some really good athletes there on that side. Yeah, I love their linebackers. But they haven't, you know, except for yeah. Sewell, Justin Flo, Justin Flo played one game last year. It was a great. Know. He played great against Fresno. But you have a lot of guys who I think are kind of it's just a lot of pieces that need to come together and i don't know how soon it's going to come together i'm not feeling that confident that it's going to come together against byu okay so then anything on on the baylor big 10 picture or excuse me the baylor big 12 picture uh i don't think baylor would go to the big 10 uh, no i don't think they'll go to the big 10. you know you don't know what to do with oklahoma at this point you feel good for sark on on a moral win but we've been here before with moral uh wins that were actually wins in the win-loss column for Texas. I, I liked how physical Texas was. I, I thought yours, you know, it's weird too, man. I feel like sometimes around some of the QB camps with yours, there wasn't as many people sold on his rankings. And I'm talking about people, as you know, that do this for a living yeah. more so than us. Because I remember watching yours throw. I was like, oh, man, like I kind of like this guy's foot. Like, this calmness back there. He's real loose. And I'd go, yeah, that guy's kind of that guy's a lot of fun, and then there might be a guy that'd be like, eh, I don't know. But I don't know if that was just in response to the, the first overall recruiting ranking for every position in his class. So basically what I'm doing here is teeing you up for kind of your Big 12 synopsis. Uh, I was impressed by Texas. They, you know, look, I thought they looked really focused and locked in. Alabama didn't. They had 15 penalties. They probably could have had 20 that called against them. You know, they got they got away with. Really sloppy. Um but they have enough talent, certainly, certainly with Bryce Young, to make it happen. I thought, you know, you didn't ask me this, but like, 
Alabama needs, you know, they've had a ton of great receivers. They don't have anybody great right now. They don't have anybody who scares you. And I thought Texas was able to take advantage of that. I know that talking to the Utah State coaches, that was one thing they came away with. It was like, we weren't really worried about the receivers. We're worried about almost everything else with that. But now I think, you know, if Ewers gets back, you know, we heard he could be back in time for the Oklahoma game. If he's back, he looked really good and they have really good skill guys. You know, Bijan is, is a special running back. Xavier Worthy is a game breaker. JT Sanders is, is a difference maker tight end. Um, the offensive line, I thought, you know, credit to Kyle Flood. That's a really young group, two true freshmen, you know, two other underclassmen. They held up pretty well, you know, against Will Anderson and those guys. If that keeps coming together, and I don't think that's going to get worse. Those kids, from what I heard, will keep keep improving. You know, I I think they're every bit of a, you know, eight, nine win team. I don't think there's anybody in that Big 12 that's scary. You know, like Oklahoma State's defense, Spencer Sanders is quietly, I think, an underrated quarterback. Um, he's a really good dual threat guy. They have some firepower on offense, but they're not as good as they were on defense. We're going to see Oklahoma tomorrow. I think Oklahoma's probably the safest thing in the league. Um, to me, the wild card team in there is K State. You know, like I, I've always liked Adrian Martinez. He he had he was playing with a short hand here. He didn't have much playmakers. Right now, he's got the most dynamic player in the country. I would argue in Deuce Vaughn. That guy is is must see TV. And they're really well coached. And they're going to be physical on both sides of the ball. Like it wouldn't surprise me if K State ended up winning the winning the conference. You know, like I I think they're this to me is the most wide open league in, in the country because you don't have anybody that is that talented, right? Oklahoma state, it's not like they're loaded with, with four and five star guys. And they're not, like I said, they're still figuring it out on defense. We had them week one. I was in the studio week zero, whatever calling it. And, um, they played central Michigan. Central Michigan gave them a hard time. You know, they have, they have some decent offensive players, but like they came up like 50, 45 points in that game. And it was a battle, you know, and it, you wouldn't have thought that. Uh, I'm looking at this league and even like the bottom of it. Kansas is actually, they have a really good quarterback in Jalen Daniels. They're really well coached with uh, Lance Leipold. They're not the pushover and punchline they were in like the Charlie Weiss, Les Miles days. Like they're going to beat a bunch of teams. Texas Tech has a really, you know, they have a really good offense. They have a couple of quarterbacks now who are talented. You know, I think they're kind of rolling. Sonny's going to move the ball at, at, you know, at TCU. Like to me, I feel like you have a bunch of teams who are going to go anywhere from, from five and seven to like eight and four. And I'm not sure there's anybody who's, who's a legit top 10 team. Is USC a national title contender? Now? Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, like we had this conversation before our show last week about is USC back? And they wanted Reggie and Liner to ask us. Hopefully they're not like in the next room. So I don't hear this. But I was like, are they back? They played one game against Rice. You know, like when anybody says, <laughs> is Miami back? And I'm like. I think it's more of a joke fuck, now. I yeah. want to say, fuck you. There's Miami's not. We're not having the Miami's back uh, conversation. So there's a fucking parade. You know, like this. People get too far crazy. You know, like love Joe Tess. Joe Tess anointed Texas a few years ago after that wild game with Notre Dame, which was amazingly entertaining. Nobody was back. They both sucked that year, right? They both were kind of duds. And I look at this, 
USC's offense is really explosive, no doubt. And I think they're fun to watch. I think they're going to score a ton of points. USC's defense, they kind of stink. And um, they were god-awful last year. They've added some transfers, but they didn't add, add like the Caleb Williams of defensive ends or the or the um, Jordan Addison of linebackers. They added a couple of good players, but nobody's like, oh my God, this is like, you know, this guy was, was going to hurt the other team that he was leaving. So you watch in the first two games, Alex Grinch, who I think is a really good defensive coordinator, went in there. They got a bunch of turnovers. They had like three pick sixes in the first week. They had four turnovers against Stanford. By the way, if, if Stanford doesn't turn it over a bunch in the red zone, that score is like 63 to 61 because they weren't stopping Stanford. Stanford broke out the slow mesh. It gave them problems. There was a bunch of other stuff coming off it. I think, I think they could be the Pac-12 champ, but if they got up against a Georgia, an Alabama, an Ohio State, I don't think they could... I don't think they'll be able to keep up. They'll score a bunch of points, but I think in the end, they'll end up losing a game like 49 to 35. I just don't think they're good enough on defense. And I I think they're pretty good on the O-line, but I think they're not seeing SEC defensive lines. They're not seeing that right now. I mean, look, they played Rice and a a pretty mediocre Stanford team. I I definitely want to pump the brakes on the USC hype a little bit. All right, anyone to challenge Ohio State? Because it felt like people liked them more... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> certainly you know like i i thought the defense won the game for them and then you know the the other running back williams uh behind henderson but then you see notre dame lose to marshall and it feels like people are kind of reclassifying ohio state if they have any challengers and maybe it is michigan it's just i want to see michigan compete with ohio state when ohio state doesn't have one of its worst defensive talent gaps you know that we've probably seen in a long time last year yeah, I, I would lean toward it being Michigan, the team. Like when, when I was around um, in Indianapolis when they had Big Ten media days, I spent a bunch of time with Jim Harbaugh and some of his players. And it's interesting to hear the players talk about like they, you could feel it. They really had a chip on their shoulder. Everybody's made like, that was a fluke last year. You're going to get annihilated when you go to Columbus. <laughs> you know, like, and I think if a couple things they could certainly be better on offense than they were last year without Hassan Haskins they added a transfer center who's every bit as good as anybody they had up front last year they have a bunch of guys back they missed Ronnie Bell the whole year he's their most consistent receiver and he's back in the receiving course way deeper they still have Corum and Donovan Edwards and a lot of speed and if, if JJ McCarthy is as is close to as good as he has looked so far he is a different kind of problem as a quarterback he's got a much better arm He's a much more dynamic athlete, so they can do a bunch of stuff with him. I think defensively, you know, they did lose Aiden Hutchinson and Ajabo and Dax Hill. And also, I think Mike McDonald was a really good hire for Jim Harbaugh, and he's gone. But Jesse Menner knows that defense. They worked together for a while, and there's still a lot of good players. I don't think um, they still have, look, they had a bunch of guys on my freaks list. They definitely have some big-time athletes on the defense. I wouldn't pick them to win in Columbus because I'm not giving, like, Ohio State is my preseason pick to win the national title. And I just think what you're seeing with Ohio State a little bit now is as good as the receiving core is, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't played much, right? And they, so you're taking an All-American off it. They're still really good. I mean, you saw Marvin Harrison go go wild last week. Um, as you mentioned, Mayan and, and Buka, that kid, good. That kid's yeah. nasty. Yeah. I mean, you know, like they have so many guys. You know, when Julian Fleming gets back and rolling, that's another guy in the mix. 
Um, I think defensively they are better. Certainly Jim Knowles, I think, will, you know, is, is a more accomplished defense player than they've had there in a little while since, you know, like Halfley I thought was really good. And I think, I don't know if he can get them to be that level because I don't know if they're quite as talented. You know, like linebacker, they're, they're okay. I think the secondary, I don't think they're great. I think they're pretty good. I mean, they went from being in the secondary, you know, awesome to being really average. You know, and some of that was when you lose big time players, but they just didn't replace them. And I think right now, I think they're they're improving. And I think on the D line, which covers up a lot of flaws, I think you see, you know, some of the younger guys who are big recruits. I think they're starting to really get established, and I think that will be the key for them if they because they can cover up a lot of the flaws on the back end. All right, final thought here. You're in Lincoln. Let's bring it back full circle. Who do you think they go after? Because I liked, I don't know if it was in, in Stu's mailbag or if you addressed it, but, and by the way, we got to tell Stuart Mandel to put the locations of the mailbag question askers in again, because that's my favorite part when it's like, don't you think with a tweak here or there that the Vols could be right there with Alabama? And then it's like Jeff in, <laughs> in Knoxville, you know, like that's, I need that. That, that makes me laugh. Or when somebody hates the SEC and then it'll be like Dave from Naperville. And so I need that again. Uh, but there was, I thought, a really good philosophical part of this and why, you know, I know how mad Nebraska fans get about it, but like, dude, it's over. It's been over for a long time. That's never happening again. And, you know, you probably shouldn't have left the Big 12, although I understand why you did and I understand the money. And you're with a secure conference as opposed to one that isn't going to be, but the recruiting part of it hasn't helped. And that's the nineties are never happening again. And then it was like, well, shouldn't they go after Sam Pittman? And I don't know if it was you or Stu that answered it. Was it you that answered? I forget. I got lost reading all the different athletic stuff because the stuff is so good where it was like, wait, here's a real question. If you're the head coach at Arkansas, do you want the Nebraska job? Yeah. If you're, if you know, people were like, I had somebody take issue with my list. He was like, the first, the one I want is Dave Aranda. Yeah. Good luck. Dave Aranda is, is like, you know, just had a top five team. He's in a way better recruiting base right now. He's also at the place where they have a really good AD who's an established AD in macros, who was the one who hired him and gave him a chance and believed him. Right. Dave Aranda is a younger family. I don't know if he wants to yo-yo his family around to the third place. I think he could have left somewhere last year, probably with more upside. For the reasons you just outlined about Nebraska, than the one here, you know, from what I've heard is, all right, they want a grinder, they want a a guy who is kind of a proven head coach, right? Because as I said, Frost only had two years of head coaching experience before he got here. Um, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, he's in this area. He is he is shown he can establish a winning culture. I mean, Iowa State had never had a top ten team till two years ago. He's really good at developing talent. You see a bunch of his guys in the NFL um, who aren't big recruits. I think anybody who's around him becomes a believer. I don't know if he would leave. I mean, he was high on USC's list. If Lincoln Riley doesn't jump at the job on that Sunday morning, I think Matt Campbell's going to jump right after, right? Wow. So you think Campbell would have ended up at SC? Uh, That was the one they were bringing in. And I think, depending on how he felt about the situation, I think it would have been hard for him to say no. I really do. Um, I don't think it would have been as 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 easy for Lincoln to say no. I'm not saying Lincoln was running from Norman, but I think obviously there was a lot of reasons he was he was attracted to that, not just football wise. And I think there's some of that. You know, I, I 
I don't know that Matt Campbell is going to look at Lincoln, Nebraska and think that's a much better job than the one he has. It might be a much more headache-filled job. You know, if you ask me, Lance Leipold, who was a former assistant at Nebraska under Frank Solich, you know, he won six D3 national titles, did a good job at Buffalo, and has, you know, really fixed some of the issues at Kansas. Lance Leipold, I, I, he's, his buyout goes from $5 million to $4 million. Um, it, it would probably be $5 million if they were going to hire because I think the four million it drops to four million in mid December. Where if you're going to hire that guy, I think you need him in place earlier. He's I'd be shocked if he would turn down the job. You know the the ones who are the interesting ones. You know Chris Kleiman, K State, another guy who won national titles at lower divisions, done a really good job. I think he fits a lot of probably somebody say yeah, he could probably do a good job there. I don't know if he could win. You know get him in the playoff, but those two guys I think fit a profile certainly. The wild cards to me. You have Bronco Mendenhall, who's out right now. I think he would want the job from everything I've heard. He did a good job at BYU, and then he went to UVA and did some good things. Some, you know, what well, didn't work out great, but like I think he might be a better fit in Lincoln than he was in Charlottesville. And then the, to me, the 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 one that will be interesting is Matt Rule, who, as you know, did a remarkable job at at uh, first at Temple and then at Baylor when Baylor was in the toilet after like the whole Art Ryle stuff. Um, if he gets pushed out of Carolina later this season, I could see him looking the like of the, of the landscape going. You know, he's a Penn State guy. I don't think Penn State's opening anytime soon because they gave so much money to Franklin on this latest go round. Um, you know, is this the is this the place he wants to 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 get back to college at? Because if he gets fired at the Panthers after this, I'm not sure anyone in the NFL is going to hire him. And then you look at the landscape here. I don't see him. I don't see him as an Auburn guy, you know. So, like, I feel like Auburn and Nebraska are very different job profiles, you know. Like, I could definitely see Auburn being interested in Hugh Freeze. I can't see Nebraska being interested in Hugh Freeze, you know. I could see Auburn being interested in Lane Kiffin, even though Lane has like Monty went to Nebraska. Chris Kiffin worked at Nebraska. I don't know. I couldn't see Lane here. I don't. Know, I don't know why Lane would actually leave. Honestly you know, Ole Miss now to go to the Big Ten either. I'm not saying that, but I could definitely see Auburn taking a swing at Lane. I should say, not taking a swing at it. Auburn, Auburn trying to... <laughs> I feel like Lane well, is the only yeah. person you... Lane's like the only coach you really can't use that expression with. It's like, you can see somebody taking a swing at Lane. No, Auburn's one of my favorite. Like, I mentioned how Ferentz, you know, there's a bump. And by the way, I need to correct something I just said. I don't think it's great that Nebraska left the Big 12 out of, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons, but clearly it's the right move for your program, the stability, the Big Ten network, you're in one of the halves as opposed to the Big 12 wondering if they're going to fall apart every two years. So for long-term stability, it has worked out for Nebraska both financially and, and for a million different reasons. I just, you know, you know how I feel about the conference shuffling. I hate it. You know, to me, Nebraska is a Big 12 school. And uh, even though geographically, you know, you could say it's not that much of a stretch as it will be for some of these other conferences or some of these other new new programs going to different conferences. All right. So on the lane thing, though, Auburn, like Auburn is one of my favorite contractual studies because just when Gus Malzahn was going to get fired, <laughs> then he would they do something. A ton and, of money out of right. And then he'd be like, you know what? We were going to fire you yesterday. But here's a four-year extension. And then within months, he wouldn't make it 12 months. And they'd be like, you know what? Let's get this guy out of here. And then something else would happen. And they'd be like, he beat Bama again. How does he do it? Uh, because he's the only guy that's got that many, you know, wins against Bama. But again, you know, because I would. And then he'd get another deal. And then everybody still would hate him. And then, like, Auburn, 
Auburn needs its own little 30 for 30 for people outside of the SEC footprint to truly understand that it might be the most drama-filled. And like Harson, he almost didn't make it a year. And let's face it, I, you know, that doesn't feel real good. You know, I hope Auburn, <laughs> Auburn, Auburn is the guy at the cash machine in the casino in Vegas going, do I go back to that table or do I go meet some buddies at the strip club? They do not know what the hell is going on because they're giving into their own worst impulses and they end up at the end of the night with a bunch of ripped up paper in their pockets. You know, it's just like, what are we doing? You know, like, because I think yeah. they're so impulsive and they have, they have just irrational, like, look, and they've won national titles. They've had, they've, there's been, you know, some of the most awesome, awesome sports people have come from that place, but my God, it's like just chaos when it comes to like the leadership above. That's the thing. Like to say they've actually, you know, in the last decade plus a year here, you know, won a title, played for two, beat Bama more than anybody else has. And <laughs> you're like, every guy we get in here, we can't wait to get rid of or extend. And, you know, then they had the AD thing, which was interesting in le reading more on that kind of for I think the local media part of it that was a little bit more plugged in um, from the outside, it looks like another thing you just added to the list. Like, you know, I'm not 100% sure what happened. I know what I've read, but anyway, hey, I mean, but some of the most, some of like the most iconic sports people have come from that place, whether it's yeah. Barkley or Bo Jackson or Frank Thomas or Cam. They're like these larger than life kind of figures. Chris Porter. And Chris Porter. I remember Chris Porter. Go ahead. The basketball player. Yeah, he was, he was filthy there for a little while. Yeah, well, you get you, but you get you get like all this stuff where it's like, I just think it's like it's a it's a it's the most SEC program of all the SEC programs, and and how it kind of operates and how it thinks of itself and how it kind of gets itself and gets in its own way. I feel like, and what I love is they still crush it in recruiting, and there'll be all these guys. Like whenever you watch an Auburn game, you'll be like, "Who the hell is that guy?" And, you know, unless you're totally locked into it, you're round on the recruiting stuff. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be like a first round pick. You know, uh, they always have dudes. They always have dudes. And that's why they can sneaky, you know, catch up to some of the elite programs. But the instability while also doing some really impressive shit in the last 10 years is the most Auburn version of events. And that's why they're Auburn. Uh, thank you, Bruce. Enjoy the weekend. What game do you have? We have the o Oklahoma Nebraska game. Okay. So. And then next week, it's a lot of Michigan for us. The big noon circus goes up to Michigan. So, hey, we're bringing Urban Meyer back to Michigan. That'll be interesting. Yeah, that's the other article that I want you to do in six weeks is how many fan bases would open uh, with open arms welcome back Urban Meyer to college football. And the list is long. All right, that's Bruce Feldman again. Big noon. You watch the kickoff show before. It is terrific. A big noon, obviously noon Eastern uh, for Nebraska and Oklahoma. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. This episode is brought to you by Viore. It's time to ditch your old workout fit. Seriously, just let them go and try Viore clothing instead. Their active wear is unbelievable. Sometimes I wear it and I go, do I look too good. <laughs> I don't want to be at this peak level of awesomeness in their joggers every single day. 
this is going to be hard to maintain, but that's what the joggers do for you. Whether you're sort of business cash, whether you're just around the house, whether you're working out, whether you're getting on a plane and you're going to be in your seat for a long time, the joggers just give you a hug for the entire flight. It's soft. It's comfortable. You're never going to want to take them off. Incredible versatility. You can wear it while taking part in different kinds of exercises, running, training, swimming, yoga, and more. Viore yoga class. That just makes sense. The Sunday jogger is the number one go-to. And of course, the core short out now. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash Ryan. Before we get to life advice, uh, let's run through our picks. Keep a track of it every Friday for FanDuel here. I don't know what to do with this group right now. The human torch is is looking at us going, I don't know, it's 22 and 4 now to start the season. I didn't even put any effort into that Chargers parlay. And then in that hit, Sarudi's got the parlay secret. He's telling me off the air, he's like, I actually think I figured something out here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Never heard that one before. Uh, I remember being in my 20s going, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I just do it this way and then this way, and then I don't really lose that much. I, I win a lot. And then it was like, oh, can I borrow $3 for laundry? <laughs> so uh, let's let's go to the master. Let's get him going. Uh, I, I We're so hot right now, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But I don't know. Ride the train. Surdy, lead us off. All right, going back to the well with the same game parlay alt edition here. Packers, Bears, give me the alt line. Packers minus six and a half. Parlay that with the all under of 48 and a half. That's uh, plus 105, so you're getting about even money there. I'm not ready to write off the Packers just yet. I really don't think the Bears are that good, despite the week one win against the Niners. So there you go. Okay, all over Packers, Bears. Kyle? Uh, I would decided to go a little bit less safe because I feel like I could do unders for games that you don't expect to be great. And I figured I'd go a little less safe, especially Saruti doing another double uh, thing here. So I'm going to go the Vikings money line plus 112 versus the Eagles. And then the Washington Detroit over 48 and a half. And that's plus 304. So I think that's a little bit more risky. All right. You guys are getting exotic. You guys are doing so well. You're not even worried about anything. So I totally get it. All right. Um, I'm going to do just straight picks for this one. We have not figured out what the competition, what's on the line. If I lose, don't worry. I'm not going to say, well, we didn't really ever figure it out. I'm more likely to probably penalize myself even more so after the fact for losing. If I lose, but who knows with this group right now, we are going with the Van Pelt fade the public approach. And right now, 84% of the bets are on Cincinnati at Dallas, which is not surprising. Uh, it's seven somewhere, but it's also, all right, so it's now Cincinnati's favored by a touchdown and a half. At Dallas, you're going to take Dallas, plus the 7.5. I hate it. My original, one of my OG betting theories in my late teens, early 20s, was team that I think is good coming off a loss that they didn't expect. Bet them. If you think they're good, stay with it. Bet them the next week. I love betting a team after a loss that didn't make any sense. So this this fade the public theory is spitting in the face of arrogant 19-year-old Rosillo betting theories. Uh, so there you go. All right, life advice. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house on the South Fork. 
I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. LifeAdviceRR at gmail.com. We have to do an update. I am so excited to share a couple different updates. We have a lot of people chiming in, too, about Kyle. Kyle, they're saying if you don't want to do the massive wedding invite list because it does get expensive, that you could just do engagement drinks. Have you done engagement drinks yet? Uh, I don't know. We've been in, we got engaged on 420. So what is it? It's 916 right nice, now. Dude. Yeah. Get married on uh, 69 too. Um, totally, totally not. Um, didn't plan either of those, but uh, it's just a nice little fun thing for the lore afterwards. But where is the wedding? It's at Poughkeepsie. Nice deterrent. You would think, but people keep saying they want to come. So I don't know. We have people I just emailing in asking. I don't know how you're dealing with that. Oh, Are you I'm, responding now, now, to these? Now I've said the now I've said the date and the place. Fuck. <laughs> Great. You're gonna have, guys are gonna be writing in a life advice, being like, I'm actually installing some siding that week. <laughs> just outside. Oh my god, right on nine. Yeah. Uh yeah. This guy said engagement drinks, perfect opportunity to involve people not invited to the wedding and get some extra presents. Did it for mine. Worked like a charm. Win, win, win. P.S. I'm divorced. So maybe <laughs> love those. So maybe don't listen to me. Well, the thing that okay. I was going to say was maybe we just have a big party the next day and then everybody can come and that could be like a 250 person party, like in a big backyard, which I've got access to. So there's always that. But then, I feel like if people in Poughkeepsie, a lot of people in Poughkeepsie have access to big backyards. That's a big plus. Yeah, that area, big, big draw, big, big draw for that. Yeah. It's still June. So maybe I don't know. I feel like would you feel like do you think the people that would get mad anywhere? It's like, oh, I couldn't go to the wedding, but I'm going to your fucking cookout. Thanks, dude. I don't know. I think you should be happy to be involved. <laughs> maybe don't call it back. Maybe you give out free T-shirts to say Poughkeepsie. We're known for our backyards. <laughs> I'm going to add that to, I've got about four t-shirts I want to make for this podcast. I'll add that to the list. I want to, I want to be involved in all of backyard it. capital. Okay. New York. We have a follow-up to the asshole sauna guy. And this is a good one. I should almost read this last because it's so good, but let's just go to it. Cause sometimes we do the recaps and then we do the questions. So, uh, remember our guy, remember that he was, he was watching TikTok videos and another guy was asking, we gave him a bunch of different options. So he emails in, by the way, good writer, he's emailing, good writer, asshole sauna guy came back. I have several friends that listen to your show. were hyped that the asshole sauna guy saga got read. We bounced, uh, your all's ideas off each other and landed on almond brothers or asking him insane questions as the move for weeks. I've had at Fillmore East loaded up and ready to go as well as, Hey, does your taint ever itch? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> for weeks I've waited but he never showed wait we read that email weeks ago alright lose track sometimes uh, he never showed I thought maybe the one five minute sesh he did in the sauna was, was enough to make him quit that would obviously be on brand but I stayed vigilant watching waiting I'd almost given up hope I walked into the sauna today feeling downtrodden and destitute thinking my time would never come. But today it changed. Lately, when I'm in the sauna, I've tried to start doing some meditation, eyes closed and focus on breathing. I don't really pay attention when someone 
walks in and I usually have headphones in and don't hear it anyway. After about 10 minutes, I open my eyes and asshole sauna guy's there. Phone out, TikTok open, blaring away like he's only the only one in the room. I got so excited that I sat there for two or three minutes debating whether to go to the question route or Almond Brothers. Like a fourth quarter LeBron against the Mavs, I froze. Oh, no. Ironically, he actually put his phone away before I had a chance to respond. Damn. Normally, that would end it, but something very unique happened that only guys who play sports would understand. Over the next few minutes, he almost looked like he was sizing me and the other guy in the sauna up. I realized after a few more minutes that somewhere along the way, we had entered into a personal competition. I feel like this happens to guys all the time. This has happened to me personally playing pickup ball or running on the treadmill, where you all of a sudden find yourself in a head-to-head competition with someone you don't even know. Are you kidding? I know. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole thing about getting on my plane through security, and I pick somebody every single time to see if I beat them or not. And if I don't, I'm in a five-minute funk. At this point, I realize I can't leave until he does. I reach inside and find the Kobe Bryant. However long you think you can go, I can go longer than you can, Gene. I hit 20 minutes, my usual stopping point. My timer goes off at 25 minutes, and I see the dude visibly relaxed, thinking I'm about to walk out. No chance, fatso. All right, that's a little critical of his body type, but we'll let it go. I make sure he can see my timer and I add another 15 minutes to the clock. At this point, (laughs) he visibly deflates, shoulders hunched, eyes glazed over. He starts breathing heavy. I make it a point to go back to my normal pose, legs crossed and deep, steady breaths, even though I am dying inside. He finally leaves around the 28-minute mark, my 28-minute mark. I go another two minutes before walking out. Normally, I sit there and cool down for at least 10 minutes, but not today. I pick up my stuff and immediately leave like what I just did was nothing to me. While it's by far the longest I have ever gone. As I'm walking out, I look in the mirror and he's looking at me. He shakes his head in defeat and hunches over, still trying to recover. It was at this moment I knew I now owned his soul. I didn't get a chance to match his disrespect, but I like this ending to the story better. Peace. This is the first page of his uh, first chapter of his book you could find in the lifestyle section of Barnes and Noble. It's like, so well so, written. I almost think it's fake. It's yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a new one for us, like normal setup. And then later on, I don't care. I don't care. If, you know, fake or not. You that was, that was yeah. literature. I love it. Nothing like competing with somebody you'll never see again that you don't know over something that means nothing. You know, sometimes I just love being a guy. I'm going to try your airport thing next time. I like that. Yeah. You just, you, whatever lane you're in or like somebody's at the other side of the other side, you know, you try not to count it out. You can sometimes be like, all right, count it out. All right. So pick somebody. I'm seven back, but sometimes I'll just go ice. I have a yellow shirt. Yeah. I got to be yellow shirt. And then it's the decision to which, security thing you want to go through after the first part of the security right so the the bag area yeah um you know shoes are already out whatever but a lot of that is like okay they got kids that's bad if there's a stroller involved okay that person's 112 might not want to go there okay this guy looks like he has his shit together he's got a Tumi briefcase with a Tumi carry-on he's done this before we know what's up so you're, you're scouting all the people around for you for good competition no 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 you're scouting 
the people that could potentially be in front of you and the different choices that you can make to get through security while trying to beat a guy oh, who's I on the other side saying. of things. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Are you picking it's, a it's good a, opponent or are you just trying to find one that's like, if you're not counting seven back, like how do you, what if like seven back is a woman with three kids? You're like, all right, I'm going to, I mean, she's got no shot. No, I never do that. <laughs> that's what I no, mean. No, like you're no, still looking no, for the best yeah. uh, selection here, no. right? No, I no. You're going to be over six feet. Man sharp as man. Uh, yeah. Iron, iron sharpens iron. I, I always pick quality <laughs> opponents. <laughs> but sometimes I'll just do the counting one because you can just be like, hey, we're both seven back. Who's going to win? But it's a helpless feeling. You get stuck behind and you're like, oh, my God, fucking for a CPAP on the plane. Like <laughs> They said laptops come out of the bags. What don't you get? Right. Now, the international thing uh, reminds me of being in Iceland in the south of France. But the lack of consistency, not complaining, I'm not complaining about it, but just Chris is like, I told you you didn't have to take off your shoes. You're like, all right, you don't need to yell at me about it. Like, can you imagine a world where most people are taking their shoes off the airports all the time? Although it's happening less and less. And if people are asking, why do you not have PS? I have clear. I have clear because the clear line is actually shorter um, than the pre-check. Sometimes the pre-check at certain big airports, you're like, dude, pre-check looks like more of a disaster than the normal thing. And that's why I ride with Clear. Except so. for sometimes Clear decides to just shut down at 9 p.m. when everyone's trying to leave Salt Lake City uh, from a Sundance. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, we close at 9. And it's 10 and everyone's trying to leave. And you, you didn't get pre-checked because you have Clear. And they're like, sorry, we went home. And, and then they're just like, if you checked our hours, you would know that this wasn't going to work. And it was a complete disaster. That sounds very specific. It's good to that's, have both. That's such a, yeah, that's such a specific complaint, though. Um, yeah, but sometimes you fly to like smaller airports, right? Especially like if you're traveling around for colleges, you might have to go to like a smaller airport that that's clear decides to take off at like 7.30 p.m. because that's the deal they struck. And then now you're there at 9.30 for, a, you know, a late flight and you just kind of got to get in the regular line, even though you pay for clear. Come on. Never happened to you? I just the only clear problem I ever had was in Boston. Where guys are like, dude, you got what do you think you fucking sweet with Claire? You know, and then the way Clear was originally set up, as I think Boston guys are involved, is they set it up to actually make it worse to have <laughs> <it>. sabotage. <laughs> like there was such resentment from whatever Boston male was in charge of designing the clear entry point at the very beginning when it was at Logan. It was like these fuckers with Clear, oh, they're gonna fucking they're gonna learn real quick. Nobody's special. <laughs> and so I I remember going and I was like, this is a joke, right? And they're like, yeah, this is kind of the way. And I I just, you know, I texted some of the guys in the Boston thread. I go, there's nothing more Boston than being penalized for having clear. Um, you know, right. As we say about, right, like guys from Boston, you know, a couple simple rules. <laughs> uh, they would, they would just, they resent success. <laughs> and so, so clear is is a little lower on the success line of things that you could accomplish in life but clear to some guys like boston guys clear is like oh dude guess who fucking showed up to chat him <laughs> telling us about his about clear yeah he's traveling a lot yeah fucking loser all right let's uh read our first email <laughs> Yeah, we haven't read an email. We'll do one. We'll do one. Okay. Cause I just, 
sauna guide could live by its own yeah. and everybody should feel happy. But it's a Friday, so let's do a this is a good one. This is a good pick, Kyle. What's up, fellas? 5'10, 185. Would like to be 175. D3 hockey and basketball player. Currently doing a Peloton six-week program, lots of cardio and lightweight. Uh not the bike, but good stuff. Oh, okay. The the other Peloton thing. I see. A lot of women do. This is not the question, but side note, born and raised in the West Hartford area and think you guys summed it up perfectly. Jay Tim's hands down the best wings. All right. All right. We, we all agree. And then you know what's crazy is guess what magically popped up on my Instagram feed? Fucking video of somebody eating Jay Tim's wings. Scary I don't know stuff. about these. Yeah, it's, there's some weird stuff, man. Every couple months, something happens with the phone. You go, this isn't cool, man. Check your settings. Okay. Terms and conditions. All the names, all the names have been changed. Uh, I'm attending a wedding soon. Different city, need to fly. I'm in the wedding party. All right. This person is in the wedding party. It's one of my closer friends from college, and we lived together for a number of years after college. I'm bringing my girlfriend as my plus one. My girlfriend has known the groom for years, and now they are friendly, uh, but has never met the bride. Groom moved away a few years ago, uh, nor most of the people at the wedding. Okay, so the girlfriend's known the groom for a few years, friendly, has never met the bride, groom moved away, found the wife, right? Or nor uh, nor most of the people at wedding. All right, she's known a lot of people at the wedding. It's also going to be a big wedding, 250 plus people with lots of cousins and extended family. As context, the only people that my girlfriend will really have met before are also in the wedding party. It is likely she will meet other members at the rehearsal dinner but we know how those go. You don't usually spend too much time talking to the bridegroom, especially if you don't know them that well. There will be a church component to the wedding, likely an hour or so. It's a long time. Uh, dude, you do anything an hour south, you'd be fucking pumped. Uh, my girlfriend has a friend. Let's call her Sarah. Well, she sounds pretty cool. That lives in the same city as the wedding that we will be attending. It's Sarah's 30th birthday that weekend. My girlfriend wants to know if it's okay to skip the church part of the wedding <laughs> to go hang out with Sarah and her friends. On, dude. I am leaning that my girlfriend should try to find another time to see Sarah. <laughs> uh, to see Sarah. Are you leaning that way? After all, the reason we are in town is because of the wedding. If it weren't for the wedding, I don't think my girlfriend would have traveled for Sarah's birthday party. That being said, it's not like I'll be sitting with her at the wedding. Uh, she will likely sit next to people she's never met. Also, she would likely be traveling on a different bus to and from the church and won't be part of any of the pre and post wedding photos. Uh, the party is at a completely different venue and a few hours later. So it's not like she will be entering that part at a different time. First question. Do you think it's okay for her to skip the church portion? Second, if she does decide to skip, do we say, or do we, meaning the couple here, say anything to the bride and groom, or does she just skip and hope that nobody will even notice? Would love to know your thoughts. Okay. Um, I mean, most everyone listening to this is like, you can't do this. Uh, I, I love the ask. I love the ask. I think it's great. I think your girlfriend's kind of awesome where I think most people are going to think it's terrible. I think it's convenient that she wants to skip the church part of it because everybody knows the church part of it sucks, right? Who likes the church part of it? It's like, you know, the reception's cool, but I'm really looking forward to the actual ceremony. Nobody ever says that. 
Uh, I did one time leave a church thing a little soon. A girlfriend was so hungover and it was super hot. And she was dying and I was fucking pumped. Generally like, hot in those hey. churches too. They don't do the best ventilation. And she wasn't, she wasn't a big drinker at all, but she was just, that was what made it worse. So she was like, I'm just dying hungover. And she's like, they're not going to care. Bring me back to my apartment. And I was like, gladly. It was awesome. And then I tried, I was like, but we're going back to the reception, right? She was like, yep. So dropped her off. I was in a suit. I looked great. I did like a lap around town. I was, <laughs> yeah. just, having, I was just, yeah, I was just like having my own little pub crawl. <laughs> They're like, why are you wearing a tan suit, Rosillo? I was like, I'm at a wedding right now. I used to do that for court. passed out. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. They're like, wait a minute, what's the story? I'm like, nothing. I Like now we're just going to. I'm not wasting this taxi, hour. <laughs> t- yeah, taking a taxi back for later refreshments. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking a nap. She can take a nap. I was, it was a great day. Now that I'm thinking back. All right, so back to the email. All right, something that was, Something that is said here screws up your girlfriend's plan here. And I get nobody likes a girlfriend here. And the fact that you're in the wedding party, and I get it, it's a little awkward, but guess what happens when you're the significant other to the other person's wedding? Oh, most everybody doesn't fucking know anybody. All right. Yeah, it's a big wedding. Yeah, you're not going to know a ton of people. It feels incredibly selfish. It's just like, hey, can I go to Sarah's birthday party? Also, while the church part of this is happening. I think she could probably get away with it. I don't know that anybody would really notice. I don't know about the picture thing. If people are going to keep asking, like, wait, every wedding party person have their day, even if they're not in the wedding party. Usually it's like full-blown wedding party, but it sounds like you're in the wedding party. She isn't in the wedding party. So every wedding's a little different, but usually traditionally the wedding party has the, like when they do those big photos, you're there with your girlfriend or your wife. Um, some others would be like, no, wedding party only. I don't know, Buell Street doesn't matter. The point is, is that I, I think most people listening think this is a huge no and that you're right. And here's the other thing that you mentioned that I think is the most important detail here. All right. That being said, it's not like I will be sitting with her at the wedding. She will likely have to sit next to people she's never met. Okay. Understood. She also would be traveling on a different bus to and from the church and won't be part of the, any, uh, any of the pre post wedding photos, et cetera. The party is at a completely different venue and a few hours later. Mm, few dun, hours. Dun, dun. Jesus. Why can't she go? I know. Bad planning. Although sometimes awesome planning when there is that gap. Uh, here's the problem. If she really wants to see her friend, go to church. And if there is this few hour gap later at the reception part of it, then go see your friend. It sounds like she just doesn't want to go to deal the church. It sounds like she didn't even want to be there at any of the <laughs> wedding stuff at all. I'm worried about the long term. I love her aggressiveness. I love the ask. This is an amazing ask. No man would ever fucking get away with this <laughs> ever. All right. You want to talk about advantages, disadvantages? Put this one down in the female advantage. The fact a woman could even ask this and still be in a relationship is fucking fascinating <laughs> because I don't think many men could ever go, hey, here's what I'm thinking. You remember Doug <laughs> from the tap room? Yeah, yeah. It's his 30th. It just happens to line up with this Portsmouth, New Hampshire thing we're doing. And he and I, we're just going to throw some back in the middle of the day while you're at church in a, in a dress. I'll meet you guys there, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll just, yeah, like, it's not a big deal. I'll just Uber over later. Like I'll even show up early. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever. Like, do you need anything? You want me to grab your tacos or something? Like I could just, it's going to be totally, don't worry about it. I'm not going to get fucking wasted and screw up later on and then have to go. None of that's going to happen. It's going to be, 
It'd be smooth sailing. This is a win-win. It's a win-win. I don't need to sit next to this couple blue hairs. They don't even know who I am. Uh, no guy would ever get away with that. I think you're right in thinking that she should be there. I just respect it so much that she's trying to parlay a 30th birthday party into not having to do any of this stuff where it sounds like she could go to the church and there is a gap between the next reception where the friend could just be part of that. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, in Kyle? in general, I'm I'm in favor of skipping the church parts of most days. I understand that weddings is probably one of those things you don't you don't mess around with the itinerary of. Your connection to God doesn't need to be advertised. We know that, right? So I think, well, I, one thing I do think it's weird. I w- I went to that one wedding and it was like they were talking about how the the guy the groom wanted to have a head of table and the wife was like. So what are all the people that like their dates, wives and girlfriends and and boyfriends and husbands going to do? Just fucking sit next to each other? That's weird, right? So I think I know there's a lot of weddings, maybe a lot. Like listen to me go to one wedding, I'm the authority. But like I think there's probably a lot of people that choose to like <laughs> let's not do the head of table and have all these plus ones actually be just plus ones at the plus one table. Isn't that a little weird? So if that's if she's like not into that, I guess. But I mean, the plus one table is the re- is the uh, reception anyway, right? So, I, I mean, I do think nobody would know. I think I know you love to ask. I actually maybe would say okay. Maybe I'd be like, hey, you got to show up to walk in with me, and if you want to sneak out and you're fine with that, fine, go ahead. I don't like. I actually don't like the ask. I think doing it was actually pretty cool. It's like skipping study hall, but be back for math class. Like I think that there's a, there's a little there's something kind of cool about that. I think the ask is the weird part. So I mean, you run the gambit here for her. She's she's liked by me in the action of it. And she's liked by you in the ask of it. I think the ads is just a tough thing to ask because then you're gonna put it on me. That's why I respect it so much, though. Like I want to know more about Sarah. Yeah, probably. I want to know what her deal is. Like, is she <laughs> unbelievable or is she just an asshole? You know what I mean? Like it's it's. It's such an aggressive ask for wedding rules. I think most people listening would understand that. I'm sure there's plenty to like, there's zero discussion here. There's zero. You don't mix. I, I think that the fact that she's not, she's not thinking about the gap, that she's lining it up perfectly with church time and being like, I don't want to go to that anyway. And then I'll just catch up with the other rehearsal later on. I want to know what she does for work. I want to know what her up. Was she the oldest? Was she an only child? You know, this does not sound like the youngest. Oh, well, we could though. It could be the youngest of four move. It's like, hey, I got away with murder and I got to do everything because I'm the baby of the group. So maybe it's the free thought, independent, older one, only child. Yeah, there's a. I don't know enough. <laughs> yeah. I need to know more about like, do her. Do you guys leave restaurants? And she's like, look at these chopsticks I got fucking porcelain chopstick dude look at that <laughs> we've never done this before can you just follow up and tell us more about how the relationship is going is it going well is there a link i'm just kidding uh we'll leave that one. i just feel bad because i feel like because if it if it ever it did happen that's going to be the time when somebody's gonna be like hey where's sarah the guy's gonna be sitting alone in the pews and it's gonna be the you know the mom of the groom or something is gonna be like hey where's what is your girlfriend here and you got to be like oh, she's in the bathroom and then you know it's it's going to be awkward if somebody asks you. But other than that, I think you'd be fine. And I think the chances of somebody stopping you and asking you where your date is, is slim to none. But if you go Oh, I don't know it, about that. I don't know about that. Because like on the bus rides over from the church and then you're sitting by yourself when you would clearly be next to her, then somebody's going to be like, where's Sarah? And you're going to go, oh, she went to her friend's 30th birthday, <laughs> which wasn't even a party. She just turned 30 recently and decided to stop in and skip what's supposed to be the most important day of your life until you're divorced. And so I, 
But he was on a different bus, right? That's what he said. Yeah, but there's going to be somebody else on the bus. Yeah. That's it's not like this isn't <laughs> right. It makes him it puts him in an uncomfortable spot. Yeah, like, this could get messy. He can't tell the truth. Then he's going to have to lie. That's probably what it is. That's probably the final answer. Like whatever you think is OK or isn't. I just I'm not even saying I like it. I just think to ask makes her so interesting. <laughs> interesting. But I want to know if she's like this really great independent girl who like yeah this is like an absolute keeper or you're just going what a warning sign what is she gonna do next (laughs) i i I believe either scenario playing out all right thanks to kyle thanks to saruti ryan rosillo podcast ringer spotify please subscribe we'll be back monday with uh we're doing dilfer again right every other mondays yeah so Dilfer will be back. Uh, we get Colin Quinn coming up next week, too. Unbelievable. I'm fired up, man. I can't believe we got him so quickly after we saw him uh, in New York. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Please uh, stay locked in. Thanks. Have a good weekend. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.